listening to For the Love of God Podcast. For the Love of God Welcome to For the Love of God Podcast, a show for Christians that keep it real. Whether you're new to Christianity, a seasoned Christian, or dipping your toes in the baptismal water, this show is for you. Join us and strengthen your Christian walk. Play games and discover new music. This ain't your mama's Christian podcast. For the love of God! All right, we are back. Folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of For the Love of God podcast. This is Jason, and I'm here with Rick and Nathan. Fellas, how's it going? It is going. Good. Christmas is coming. I'm excited. Yes, tis the season to be jolly. (laughs) Speaking of jolly, we're going to be talking about jolly old Saint Nick today on the episode. Uh, The topic is going to be, should Christians include Santa Claus in their Christmas festivities? Well, it's a good question. To Uh, Claus or not to Claus? Right. That is the question. And uh, hopefully we'll have the answer for you. Um, You know, and some people may be a little bit, really, dude? Uh, And that's fine. I mean, we're going to give you some information and it's up to you to decide what to do with it. So I think that, that's the way it is every Sunday for me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the I, way I'm putting it out here. Don't beat up the messengers. <laughs> right. Don't beat up the messenger. Just consider it. And you know, <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of, you know, once you, once you hear what we have to say about it, uh, it may, it may make you think a little bit. It certainly made me think about it when I was doing the research. So, but that's later, but first the news. Wow, okay. that's that's. What do you think? Yeah, well, I, color me and impressed. That's well, certainly I think you need what we used to have. That music requires you to to like shout out who the news anchors are, right? You know, that's <laughs> <laughs> well, before we jump into your news, Nathan, we have to cut to the zoo for a, a breaking news update. And to watch. The mood is tense. I have been on some serious, serious reports, but nothing quite like this. I, 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 uh, Ching. King is inside right now. I tried to get an interview with him, but they said, nope, you can't do that. He's a live bear. He will literally rip your face off. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Ching King. He will rip your face off. I see. Where and did that come from? Anchorman. Okay. Yeah. I, wow. All right. <laughs> well, now. Yeah, yeah. On, the, on another note. So, Nathan. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to share an update on a previous story we discussed. Excited to hear about and, it. And uh, so, the Haitian missionaries that you're, you're never going to see these stories in the news, right? Um, so, 15 Haitian missionaries, uh, which included a large number of kids, were kids kidnapped and held for ransom. The ransom was was set at $1 million each, okay? Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to know that missionaries are not full of money, okay? So, it turns out, and I'm not 100% sure on the details of this, but I think they paid for three of them to get out, and that's where the first three were released. However, there were 12 left, and we got news last week that the 12 were, were returned home and reunited with their families. Well, the thought was, maybe the ransom were paid. And it turns out that the, the, the ministry actually was trying to raise the money to pay off the, the uh, to pay off the ransoms, but they didn't need it. It turns out that these 12 missionaries through collective prayer basically is 
escaped in the middle of the night with the remaining kids with them. They literally left, somehow worked their way through uh, uh, gang territory, and then through a forest and all the brambles. And, you know, think about a, a forest in Haiti, right? At, at night, this is not the most forgiving terrain in any way, shape, shape or form, right? And in the process of, of trekking through the night, they recognized a mountain far off in the distance, and they set that that mountain as their as their aim point. Right around daybreak, they ran into a person, and that person helped them call the police. And by the end of the night, the Coast Guard had picked them up, and they were back on their way to the states. Nice. So that's pretty cool. Wow, you know? that is a very good ending to a very ugly story. Very true. You know? And with no ransoms. And that's well, I mean, I don't know about the first three, but we didn't pay the last twelve, so that's which a good is thing, right? yeah. Um, but the the exciting part about this was the story I read in the background was more and more of them were thinking we need to escape. And so when they brought it to the group, the group would shut it down, but then they started praying collectively and more people were starting to be convinced. And then they were looking for times and signs and they were praying for these signs. That takes some guts. And it takes some guts, right? So, and to do it with kids in line uh, with you mm -hmm. as well, right? Right. So they were praying together and they asked for a sign. And finally that Wednesday night when they got out, they got the sign. I'm not exactly sure what the sign is, but I can't wait for the movie to find out. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they they made their way out. They escaped. Uh, apparently, the compound they left from was actually full of guards. So, I mean, that's a God thing right there. I mean, right? it, it's absolutely God. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty amazing story. That pretty is amazing. amazing story. Great story. Compelling and rich. <laughs> yeah, Jason's got more buttons now. All right. Okay. Well, moving right along. It's you know, that, that huh? new uh, that what? new mu music for the news. I'll, I'll let the extra buttons pass. <laughs> <laughs> Game time. Okay, let's uh, play some Wheel of Games. Let's play some games. Let's try to connect. This is where Jason jumps about about six feet in the air to grab a peg to pull this ginormic wheel and get it spinning. <laughs> Hold the ladder. <laughs> uh, Don't step on Pastor Rick's back like that. A little higher. <laughs> it won't connect. Clickety, clickety, click. We're spinning the wheel. Clack, clack, clack. Okay. Um... Here we go. Spinning and spinning and spinning. And true or false? True or false. Indeed. Who played last time? Uh, I think it was. I think it was me and you. Was it? Yeah, yeah, I think it was, it was us too. It was us too. So yeah. you guys are going. Okay. Okay. Who do you want to go first? Uh, You. Okay. <laughs> Nathan. The wicked device which Haman, 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 the wicked device which Haman had prepared for Mordecai returned by the command of the king on his own head. True. True. Woohoo. Esther 925, Haman despised Mordecai and had prepared a 75 feet tall gallows for him. Due to an ironic twist of events, however, he and his 10 sons were hanged from it. <laughs> I don't know if hanged is proper, but we'll see. Paul's epistles are roughly placed in chronological order, starting with Romans. True or false? I don't know if they're chronological. I'll say false. Correct. They are not placed in chronological order, but they are roughly sorted by length, starting with Romans and ending with Philemon. Well, I didn't even know that. Interesting. Nathan, Job's wife, was an example of support throughout his trials. Um, 
<laughs> so the funny thing is, um, in the story of Job, the, uh, the devil let the wife stay alive. And she, there was a reason for that. That's because she was a thorn, not a supportive wife. Ah, correct. Um, wouldn't it have been God that let her stay alive? Well, God gave Satan permission to touch and test, right? Right. And he took the sons and daughters, all the ones that he yeah. loved, but he let the wife stay alive. Ah, okay. Rick, the last book of the Gospels is John. True or false? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm going to say true. True. You're right. Could it have been an easier? Two right, two right? Yep. I think so. After the Israelites crossed the Red Sea, there were a lot of dead bodies on the seashore. Yes, true. True. The Egyptians. After Israel crossed the Red Seas, the water returned upon the Egyptian army. None survived. Israel saw their dead bodies on the seashore, and Sally sold them. <laughs> <laughs> Sally sold dead bodies on the seashore. Goliath was beheaded. True or false? I don't remember if they did that or not. Actually, I really don't. I mean, he didn't die that way, but I'm going to say false. Oh, that's true. It's it true. I, could, I couldn't remember. Goliath fell by the well-aimed stone, but David beheaded him. Ah, yes, well. yes, I do remember that. All right. That's the part well, that, that was read to you in Sunday school and grade school. <laughs> that's right. That's the kind of the stuff that, you know, you got to, you got to read and you got to remember. And it's like a trivia mind right there. So. Right. I guess he's the winner. Three, three, three to three, right? Three, two. Three, two. So he's the winner. Yeah, so it's I'm not over winner. yet. Oh, I thought we were making it quicker. Five. Well, it's, ah, it's quick enough. It's five right. questions. Five questions. <laughs> The Levite that the Dan Danites took from Micah's home was none other than Moses' grandson. The Levite that was taken, false. Incorrect. Jonathan, the son of Jershom, the son of Moses, and his sons were priests in the tribe of Danites until the day of the captivity of the land. Judges 18.30. I was thinking along the lines of uh, that it, it wasn't Moses' uh, family, it was the, uh, the Levites, right? So mm. Rick, the dubious title of most wicked queen goes to Jezebel, wife of King Ahab, despite that she was buried in a fancy tomb. True. False. Because ah, they went to tomb. bury her, but they found no more of her than a skull, the uh, feet, and the uh, palms of her head. I knew it was going to be something ripped her apart. Second king. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the last question Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were all buried in the same cave. That's a tough one. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm going to say yes. Correct. Which means you're victorious. Woohoo! Woohoo! Nice job. Thank you, Pastor Rick. Very good. Think I'm just too white and nerdy. Think I'm just too white and nerdy. Can't you see I'm white and nerdy? Look at me, I'm white and nerdy. I guess it was too much to ask that he replaced that button. <laughs> I haven't played it in a while. That's true, you haven't. That's weird. Oh my goodness. Okay, so it's time for the topic. To claws or not to claws. Right. Christians include Santa Claus in their festivities. Well, I mean, let's talk about it. Let's um Let's talk about the negatives. A, you're lying to your children. It's a lie. Um, well, it's, it's a, a myth. It's not he, a myth. He was a person. He, right? But but he doesn't do everything that they... <laughs> right. So it's, so it's, right. it's, it's a lie. It's they a, tell it's them that he's coming through the chimney and bringing them toys. He knows a lot of stuff. I mean, there's a lot of problems with this. It's a form of idolatry. Children idolize Santa Claus. Um, they make him omnificent. Ag <laughs> 
like God, omniscient, <laughs> and, omniscient, and omnipresent, all he omnipresent. Knows. He, he knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Way. He knows if you've been bad or good. So uh, be good for goodness sake. Right. Children have to change their entire persona of life in order to be good enough to get Christmas presents from Santa Claus. I mean, it's very godlike. Um, he's like the judge of morality. Kind of like deifying deifying santa claus right um god is is definitely not one that wants to indulge people with lots of stuff and santa claus does that um the territory the north pole is a it's a heavenly like territory that no one can really get to no one can really see like heaven is um it's probably colder than heaven but yeah uh, i'm sure (laughs) yeah and uh i watched an interview the other night and they were they, they brought up a couple things that made me go hmm but the red suit uh he said that um jesus you know his robe was dipped in blood in revelation nineteen thirteen, which kind of represents that red suit and in revelation 1 14 uh his hair is like snow is white snow um so they're kind of What's the word uh, par- paralleling these two? Right. It's kind of like a, a juxtaposition of two right. individuals, you know, that are, you know, similar. Both deities, both can see and know everything. Right. And yeah. Now, I grew up with Santa Claus. Uh, it was great. I, Did you guys I, hang out? You grew up with him. I mean, grew Sign. up believing in him. <laughs> ah, okay. He, I signed just... G- he signed Jason's yearbook in high school. Yeah. Right. <laughs> 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 I have thought, a great one. Santa. I thought you were you should have been a class clown. <laughs> Best wishes. Ho ho ho. Um You went to school in the North Pole? See, there's so much that I didn't know about Jason. You know, until he's, until that's, where that's where I learned snow ski. <laughs> anyway. I never snow skied. Um it's a it's a hoot. You need to go for you. I have a chance. We'll never snow ski. <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. I had a great time doing it when I was younger. I water skied. Water skiing is fun, but I will tell you when you compare those side by side, downhill snow skiing is the bomb. It's yeah. Just, it's, I won't do it. Wow, it's awesome. Okay, I have a fear of heights. So so you're not going to catch me on a hill, squirrel. <laughs> I hear I have a fear of going fast and squirrel. no breaks and no breaks. <laughs> so you're not with that. I'm was not that, doing uh, it. Was it the third Madagascar where they're like hit the brakes and they're like this van doesn't have any brakes and the one guy is like no brakes way to commit. <laughs> So um, I I thought Santa Claus was a lot of fun and my children did the whole Santa Claus thing and they had fun and we had fun playing Santa Claus, but I wasn't a Christian then and I didn't look at it in this point of view. And I think that if, if why, 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 why do the whole Santa Claus thing at all? Why not just end it and tell them the truth? It's Jesus's birthday. We celebrate it every year. We're going to put up lights and a tree and we're going to give, uh, give you a gift. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you, over the years, I have heard a lot of arguments, um, you know, of course, for and against, uh, including Santa in the uh, Christmas festivities. And I will tell you the the biggest arguments, the biggest argument for me now, I, I will tell you when I when I grew up, obviously, I we believed in Santa Claus. Well, we were told about Santa Claus. My parents were not really hardcore, so I kind of figured it out pretty early on. But uh, when my kids, you know, when I had kids, uh, first and foremost, uh, here's the thing. I wanted my kids to trust me. 
And I wanted them to follow my lead when it came to having a relationship with Jesus Christ. More than anything, I want to know that my kids are gone to heaven. And I can't guarantee anything. I mean, when you have a child, you can't guarantee it by any means. But you can do everything in your power to form a relationship with them, to develop trust, to get them in the Word, to get you know, to try to set an example, and hopefully get them around uh, enough people that they experience God for themselves. And one of the things that I wasn't willing to do is to lie to my children about Santa Claus. Why? Because if they if if they think that I lie to them about those things, you know, about this figure that's kind of been deified, why would they then later trust me when it comes to Jesus? You know, they're going to think, well, you lied to me about the whole Santa thing, and you want to be to believe in somebody I can't see. Well, now here we're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, isn't this just a childish thing? And mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of adults think that. You know mm-hmm. that that. That uh, children, oh yeah, they're fine with the story of Noah and the flooding of the world. But you know, you bring them, you bring this story to a full blown adult. They, it's stupid. It's nonsense, right? And so I just wasn't willing to lie to them. But so that's, I mean, to me, that's a pretty important reason to leave Santa out. But I think the most compelling thing for me, and the reason that Santa's really never made any appearances in my home, is that. It, it, it's a distraction. It's a huge distraction from what Christmas is about. Right. Christmas is, is a celebration of the, of the coming of, of Christ to this world to inevitably serve and die for us and raise again so that we might have eternal life. That is the story of Christmas. It is Emmanuel, God with us, and that's what we should be celebrating. And I don't mind celebrating with, you know, with food, you know, big old turkey, duck, whatever. Um, even putting up some lights and Christmas trees have nothing. They're, they're neither good nor bad. They're just symbols. And if it, if it connects me to, to, you know, focus on Christ and the celebration, then it's all good. But Santa doesn't really do that. In fact, it's a huge distractor. It kind of goes the other way. Jesus is giving and tells us to sacrifice, you know, Santa and, and offers us grace. Whereas <laughs> Santa, he, there is no grace. It's a performance driven. You know what I mean? It, it's, you know, we, we went going back to that parallel. So I just feel like it's a huge, huge distractor. And what I find is that in our culture, uh, not even in our culture, in the world overall, it, it, Halloween is a great example of this. Uh, I don't celebrate Halloween either. Um, I never have. I, even when I was a kid, I hated Halloween. I thought it just seemed to me to be uh, just like, it's like the anti-Christmas. <laughs> you know, it's like an evil thing. And that's just always the way I've looked at it. But um, with Halloween, if you go back in the history, it, it started as one thing and then morphed gobs of times throughout history and then came over to America, morphed several more times until it kind of is what it is today. And that's fine for Halloween because it means nothing. Mm-hmm. But I see the same thing happening to Christmas. And I don't want Christmas to morph completely into Santamus because that's kind of what's happening. And so I, I think, think it already has. Yeah. I years think, ago. Yeah. I mean, for I mean, a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's all it was. Well, face it, for the secular world, Santa is a replacement for Christ. Right. Yeah. Now, Which did is you... odd, because there really was a man by the name of St. Nicholas that the, that all these myths and legends are, are based on. And yeah, Pastor Rick's right, that over time, things just morph. But if you want to celebrate the man St. Nicholas, there's certainly enough there to celebrate. 
But why would we celebrate him instead of Jesus? Correct. Bingo. All right. So um, it is important that we shouldn't lose sight of the history. And and I kind of want to touch on a piece that Pastor Rick mentioned about like Christmas trees and lights and holly and ivy and mistletoe. And I've heard people tell me over and over again, all that stuff is pagan. And I typically respond by saying, well, why, yes, I do celebrate one of the holiest days of the year by bedecking my home with trophies of my vanquished foes. I mean, what could put you more in the holiday season than that? Hmm. <laughs> Did you have Santa Claus come down your chimney when you, when you was a child? I did not, but um, I, I did have the the idea of Santa growing up, and mm-hmm. I did it with my kids. But I don't know if that's a great example. So I will tell you the the idea though of of Saint Nick. He does deserve a little bit of credit. So just just so you know a little bit about the man, he was born in the year AD two seventy in modern day Turkey, raised by wealthy Christian Greek parents. And apparently he was actually very religious from a young age, would eventually be ordained as a priest and later consecrated as a bishop. So uh, there are several stories of him being present for miracles, including resurrections. Um, the most iconic story is the one where he became a secret benefactor for a, ma- a poor man who had daughters, and he left little purses of gold coins, which is kind of where the idea of Santa Claus, or now known as Santa Claus, comes from. So that's where the story is. But my favorite story about St. Nick is it has to do with something in the, the Council of Nicaea in AD 325. So there was a man at this council by the name of Arius. For those of you who are familiar with church history, Arius was a heretic. And he taught that Jesus was not co-equal to the God the Father, but was created by him. So unable to restrain his dispute with Arius, St. Nicholas approached Arius and punched him in the face, which that alone... (laughs) Is worthy. <laughs> well, you know, and again, I think if we were, if this was like, uh, you know, Martin Luther King Day or something, you know, if we were just uh, celebrating a man for, you know, his, uh, you know, accolades, his good, you know, behavior, whatever, then then I'd be all for it, you know, uh, if that's really what we need to do. But that isn't even really what Christmas is about. Christmas is about focusing on God with us, Emmanuel. That's really the intent. And for the Christian, that's what we should be focused on. You know, uh, when my kids say, uh, are we going to watch any Christmas movies this year? And, then, and I say, well, what ones are you talking about? And they'll say something like, you know, the Santa Claus or Elf. I'm like, well, what does that have to do with Christmas? <laughs> and, you know, that's the way we should be thinking. These are just external things. The fact is, is, yeah, okay, there, there are some really good arguments. And, and you threw a lot of great arguments out, Jason, of, of reasons why we should really be very weary of uh, and leery, I guess is right word of uh of bringing santa claus into our home and and yeah i maybe it's a a coincidence or not that if you rearrange the words the the letters of santa you come up with satan right kind of interesting and obviously if satan could take the place the the focus you know the spotlight from jesus he certainly would seems like he has in santa so there are certainly some serious uh issues that we should really think about as christians but i think the most to me the most compelling reason to uh, to not do it is simply that whole distraction factor i mean we are just in in our world we are so distracted uh in in all kinds of ways we're distracted from our ministries we're so 
distracted we can't make it to church regularly. It used to be, you know, in Acts, in the early church, they went to the temple daily. You know, a lot of people, they have struggles making it once a week to, to a church service. Um, we, we have struggles because of all the distractors in the world. And so we are just in a very distracted time. And so we need to fight these things. And Hebrews tells us, you know, that we should strip off every weight that slows us down in our Christian walk. And I think that when we introduce things like Santa Claus and all these, uh, you know, traditions of man into Christmas, we're really just watering it down. And it kind of goes back to Romans, you know, chapter 12, verse two, when it says, you know, we shouldn't really follow the traditions and customs of the world. We should, you know, think differently. And I want to teach my kids to think differently. So yeah, I told my kids, no, there's no such thing. And I know, and in fact, I told them now you got to be careful of this. I told my kids, my son specifically, <laughs> he was the first to to, uh, to, you know, my experimental child, right? The first one I said, okay, so there's no, there's no Santa, you know, we're not going to, you know, tell you things that aren't true. Um, however, I will tell you that there used to be a man named Satan. And I told him, I said, but he's dead now. My son went to school and told all the kids that Santa was dead. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not sure that was a good idea, a, a good approach. Maybe I should have found a better way, but you know, but I, I really, like I said, I think it's just a huge distraction. I think we got to be careful of those distractors because that's really what Satan wants to do. He wants to distract us. Oh yeah. It's just another tool in his toolbox. I kind of want to close on this thought. The idea of Christ being replaced around Christmas is very secular. And the funny thing is to me that the man himself that they're trying to replace him with, St. Nick, was a staunch, a staunch defender of Christian orthodoxy, so much so that he punched a heretic in the face. Right. He probably would not like where his story has gone. Agreed. And he would probably be one of the first ones to stand in line and say, no, keep the spirit on Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, keep the spirit of Christmas on the Christ child. 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I tell you, my house has no Santa Clauses anywhere. There are no elves. Uh, we have a, uh, right now my wife, uh, she found this, this, well, it's not really even frosty. It's just a snowman that sits on the front. And I, I was like almost tempted to get rid of that. I'm like, ah, I guess <laughs> snowman in the winter is really nothing. You know, I it's, guess it's like right. a winter, winter decoration. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so I overlooked that, but you know, the one thing we do have is, uh, when you walk into our house, the very first thing that you see right now is a nativity scene. And we want to be reminded that that is the reason. And we really want to, we, you know, as we move in through this whole season of Advent to Christmas, we want to be thinking, and I want my kids to be thinking, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, for such a tremendous gift on that first Noel. Thank you for that. Not, you know, replacing him as our culture, you know, has done. Why would we want to choose a replacement when we have the real deal? Mm-hmm. And friends, don't worry so much about the history of St. Nick. The What's really important in, in what, what you really need to be focusing on is talking about why this holiday is so important from a Christian perspective. Now, this is not one of those holidays that we have any commands in the Bible to celebrate. It's just one that we do out of an abundance of love and joy, which is a good thing. But you have to remember, the public schools are not going to teach your kids about Christ. And if they do, it's not the stuff you're going to want them to learn. Right. So make sure you take it upon yourself to be that light and that salt in your own home. But that's my my final thoughts. Yeah. I mean, if I was Satan, I would definitely create, you know, create a character that has godlike characteristics that is a, not a real person, but everybody can, tries to convince their children that is. So when they're trying to explain t- to their children about God, they don't believe them or they take it a little less seriously. Uh, create a holiday that, that creates so much distraction 
that people can't focus on the real meaning, um, create dispute between people fighting over toys on Black Friday. And I mean, it's just an absolute disaster. It, yeah. is, a, it is a really odd thing that in America, the day after we celebrate everything we're thankful for, we practically kill each other over a toaster oven. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, the people has literally lost their lives over Christmas presents yeah, for their yeah, children. That's it's that's absolutely. It's, and there's certainly nothing wrong with, you know, giving a gift or two, uh, showing love and you know there's different ways to do that but i th- certainly think even that can be taken to extremes and mm-hmm. that even that can be a huge distraction um, so, you know, we've got to be careful of that. I know many, many Christian parents who have limited, uh, their gift giving to their family to three gifts. And they, you know, this is kind of the whole significance being, you know, the three gifts that the wise men gave to, uh, Jesus. And so, you know, face it in, in our culture, whenever there's a Christian holiday that our government decided to, you know, try to put on our calendars and we all celebrate it, there's always been some sort of distractor, the Easter money, you know, what's all that about? I don't have a clue. Um, you know, there's always that distractor. Let's right. just, uh, let's try to, to just water things down just a little exactly. bit. Exactly. I say, let's keep it concentrated. Yeah. Right. So folks, if you, I mean, that's the information, do what you will. But if you want to continue to have Santa Claus in your children's lives because it's fun, fine, but let's not forget to teach them the true meaning of Christmas. Amen. Okay. With that, it's time for songs of the week. Yeah, I don't feel like that music's ever going to go away. No, <laughs> it's too perfect. And now the 30th anniversary of the <laughs> For the Love of God podcast. I can't believe it's in the week. 30 years. <laughs> All right. Okay. So what you got for us? Well, uh, you know, being that this was sort of a, you know, Christmas focused podcast, I decided to go this week with another Christmas song. And uh, because my second favorite song, well, actually, now it's kind of my first favorite song. Uh, Nathan stole from me last time uh, with the Noel song. That is really just, I mean, that song just captivates me every time I hear it. But uh, I decided to go with a, a different one. It is by Chris Tomlin, and it is called Emmanuel God With Us. And he does, uh, if you get a chance, check it out on YouTube. It's kind of a live recorded uh, video, pretty good stuff. And basically, he went back to some kind of old school lyrics. It's pretty cool. It says, go tell it on the mountain, the one that we've been waiting for, the king of our salvation, born on this day, our savior, Christ the Lord. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere, that we can be forgiven the weight of our sin he came to bear. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, King Jesus. The Savior of the world is born. Emmanuel, God with us. Emmanuel, King Jesus, the Savior of the world is born. Well, it doesn't get more Christmassy than that. <laughs> you know That's what right. I'm talking about? Yeah. And we didn't even introduce Santa Claus into that song. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess it's only fair since I, I stole Pastor Rick's Thunder last week that he kind of stole mine a little bit this week. Uh-oh. Because uh, while my song is completely different, it happens to be Go Tell It on the Mountain by the David Crowder band. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> All right, well. Well, similar lyrics, but hey. Okay. Well, um, mine is a song we just played in church uh, last week, but it was beautiful. And it, um, 
I couldn't stop wanting to listen to it. Um, it's called Messiah by uh, Carrie Job. Nice, nice tune. Uh, the world is waiting for a baby's cry. The promise movement is tonight. Shepherds watching, angels sing, wise men marvel at their king. Messiah has been born to us. A child, heaven's glorious, perfect love, anointed one. Messiah, our Messiah has come. It's so good. It's so pretty. You know, as you're reading those lyrics, I'm thinking about that song and I really, you know, a lot of people the reason that they like Santa Claus is because they grew up with Santa Claus and it kind of gives them that warm fuzzy, you know, it's a tradition kind of thing. But you know, I've been kind of rejecting Santa now for, for a good long time and kind of getting into the reason for the season. And now when I hear songs like that, it puts me right into that like mm-hmm. same warm fuzzy. You know, I think of Jesus, I think of, you know, trees and even the presence and all, I mean, it all just comes together and I'm like, oh, thank you, God, mm-hmm. for what for that awesome gift and the fact that that gift we just keep celebrating it year after year. Yeah, amazing tune. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I did have uh, one little thought I kind of wanted to share. Okay, uh, you know that's Christmas Christmas song, Mary. Did you know? I found lyrics called "Yes, she freaking knew." <laughs> <laughs> Google that for a quick chuckle. It's not. It's not bad. Well, there you go. There it is. <laughs> okay. Final thoughts, sir. Uh, yeah, today's final thought, sort of uh, kind of based on our conversation today, comes actually from Exodus uh, chapter 12. And uh, in this case, they're talking, uh, basically sharing about all the festivals that God wanted us to celebrate. Um, we, we talked earlier about how the fact that Christmas isn't uh, necessarily mandated in the Bible to celebrate it, but it is a bunch of us that say, hey, this is an important enough event to celebrate, right? Only what, like the second most amazing event in the history. I mean, one, obviously the first is the fact that Jesus died and was resurrected, but you know, it started with him giving up his place in heaven and coming to be one of us, which to me is just amazing. And so uh, in verse 25, it says, when you enter the land, the Lord has promised to give you. And this, of course, now is in light of the fact that he has just gone over all of these festivals, including the Passover. He says, when you enter into the land that the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony, specifically talking about Passover. When your children, then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of Israel in Egypt. And though he, uh, and though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. And, and I guess the final thought today is this. God does want us to remember, and he does want us to tell our kids major events. For them, the Passover was a huge issue, uh, a huge event, because it's what got the Israelites out of Egypt. And God did an amazing thing, and he wanted them to remember. And he said, when your kids see you celebrating, they're going to say, hey, what's this all about? The thought of today is simply this, when when you guys all gather around the tree on Sunday morning, as you go to you know different Christmas events, are your kids going to be, uh, dr- uh, are they going to hear the story of Jesus Christ or are they going to hear, you know, twas the night before Christmas went all through the house, <laughs> right. you know, that sort of thing. It, 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 take this opportunity 
to teach them about Jesus. Of all times, this is, you know, Easter and Christmas, are, it, it's two great holidays, two great times to teach your kids about who Jesus really is. So let Christmas remind them of the amazing thing that Jesus did by coming to this world and showing us here is what God is like. Absolutely. Amen. Okay. Well, folks, thanks so much for tuning in for this episode. A lot to think about. Um, yeah. Like he said, instead of uh, instead of um, reading the night before Christmas, don't tell them a story at all, but tell them the truth. Tell them about the most important event that has ever taken place in the history of the world. When God came and was wrapped in flesh of a human. Maybe you can read to your kids straight out of the Bible. It's uh, in Luke 2. Mm-hmm. I think it's uh, verses 1 through like 20. Mm-hmm. So that's a great place to start. And if you go back to Matthew 2, you can pick up a little bit of kind of how it all got started. Between those two, eh, you get pretty much the whole story. That's right. So until next week, say goodnight, Rick. Good night, Rick. Good night, Nate. Good night, Nate. Good night, everybody.